Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the latest version of the Silver Tsunami thesis, the Fed talking about raising mortgage rates and purchase applications. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. Sarah Wheeler, you promised me. Today, Logan Unleash. I get to be myself. You cannot wave me off or anything like that. This is me unleashed how I would normally be, but you've, you've kept me on a chain, but today is not the day. Okay. So for our listeners, the reason today is not the day is because we are going to be talking about a topic that just Logan cannot, he just, it triggers him and he just wants to go off. So he is dressed. If you, if you're just listening, he is dressed in 49ers gear from top to bottom and he just wants to fight. So we are going to talk, uh, the, the topic today is the silver tsunami. So here we go, Logan, what, what has prompted this, this, uh, rant from you today? What, why are we talking about this? Okay. First, first of all, shame on all the media for allowing Meredith Whitney, who is not a housing analyst, I encourage everyone, type in Meredith Whitney, go look at all her forecasts on housing for the last five years. You ain't going to find a thing. Okay. So the silver tsunami, which people every single year since 2015, people have used, right? In fact, it even goes back all the way to 2008. But people say the word silver tsunami. I want everybody to go up in the definition of a tsunami is, right? And there is nothing in the data that would warrant this because it is a marketing gimmick. It's designed to elicit a response that, oh my God, here comes the baby boomers. Here comes home prices crashing. By the way, it's not just for housing. It was supposed to be the stock market as well because every baby boomer is going to sell all their 401ks in 2015 to 2025 also. And then stock markets will crash. The world is basically going to come to an end. It's a marketing gimmick. It is trash. It has been trash for a very long time. So we're going to first open, and I just want to, I am so glad how many people came up to me and said, hey, what's this? This is the silver tsunami gang, because they did the same thing. I, I, always, I always tell people this. The silver tsunami was created in, in 2008 to talk about 2015 to 2025, because the first baby boomer hit 62 in 2008. So by 2015, this was going to be the decade run. A tsunami of massive inventory, 26 to 32 million active listings of baby boomers selling their McMansions to millennials who couldn't buy and home prices were going to fall. Some even had 70%. It's trash. It's garbage. It has been garbage for a very long time. What has occurred is active inventory has been slowly falling all the way down to the lowest levels ever recorded in history. New listings data in 2022 to 2024 is now trending at the lowest levels ever recorded in history. No, this is a marketing gimmick. It has always been a marketing gimmick. And this is what happens when people allow non-housing people to just, oh, I got to make a name for myself. I'm going to put the silver tsunami because the AARP survey says, you know, baby boomers are downsizing. This means here it is. It happens every single year. And they even use the same number again. So 
I am grateful for everyone that said, hey, what's this? What's the Silverstone? No, no, no. It does not exist. Eventually, over time, the baby boomers will die. And they will leave their house to their children and we will use it. But until we get anything of normal new listings, let this one go. So I am I am so encouraged to see that people are starting to realize that this has been a marketing gimmick for over 10 years. And literally, we are sitting here in 2024 with new listings data trending at the lowest levels ever, active inventory near all-time lows, the 2015 to 2025 active inventory being 26 to 32 million, which is the NAR data, is 1.1 million, basically. So it is trash. It has been trash. So I'm happy that some people are finally realizing it. So this, um, so Yahoo Finance did a um, interview with Meredith Whitney. This is the genesis of this, and then did an article on it. And then Chris Cloud from our Reverse Mortgage Daily covered what she said in that article and pointed out that, as many people have said, this has yet to materialize after how many years of saying it. But um, that's why we're. It, it is. About this. It's the CNBC interview that started this whole mess. And I just, I encourage everyone, go look up Meredith Whitney. She's not a housing person, right? She called a banking crisis and then went into 2011 with a municipal bond crisis that was going to, you know, spur all, none of that happened. She stayed quiet for a very long time. And this is like a way to kind of get in. Follow the data on this. A tsunami, a demographic tsunami, it doesn't even, it takes so long for something like that to materialize, right? You will see it in the day and literally the exact opposite happens. Because when I think about the last 10 years, like the, you know, I, I always get, when's the next recession? When's home prices crashing? Okay, I get that. But the silver tsunami was the number one question. I get it. You can easily be manipulated here by these this group because you think about it, the baby boomers are massive. They're all getting older. In theory, if they all downsized at once, millions of homes are going to come to the market. Okay, so you track people that actually track housing data. My observation out there is 99.9% .9 of the stuff out there is trash because people don't actually follow housing. So you get people's forecasts, name and face and forecast five to 10 years. Then you ask them, what's your live model? They will give you nothing, right? Because this is not what they do. So this is the society we live in. Some of us have decided to take a stand right? And fight for the nerds. Now I got a little bit of a different personality, but you guys all get to feel who I am. The reason I want live debates is because I know you do not know what you're talking about. Because if you did, I would read your forecasts and your models and you have nothing. And this has been the biggest trash thing for almost 10 years. And we're literally in 2024. This was supposed to end in 2025. So no, but I'm so glad that you readers have figured this one out. Bless your hearts. You're getting it. Why? Because reading is a good thing. Let's dig into it a little bit about why this, um, you know, definitely you would see this happening way before it happened. We, we would see it. But let's talk a little bit about some of the false assumptions here, because there are a ton of people of that age. We know all those people every, uh, you know, every day, a certain amount, you know, retire, get into a certain age group. So from your perspective, Logan, you know, what are the variables that that make this that are, are the reason we don't have a silver tsunami. So the first one is most sellers are buyers. Okay. So with that concept, the inventory is, is, is almost in a sense, a net wash, right? So when we look at, this is one of the reasons why I like to show the NAR's active inventory going back to 1982. Traditionally speaking, we are always between two to two and a half million active inventory, right? 
what is what has occurred is that we've have been in a downtrend of inventory. This goes into my credit channels, run inventory uh, models, but a surge of inventory would have to actually come in the new listings data. So I wanted to wait until the end of 2023 um, to showcase people this. A tsunami surge of inventory could have been made during the housing bubble crisis because those are forced credit sellers that can't buy, right? So active inventory, the last three years, the peak seasonal inventory has never even broken over 90,000. Um, during 2008 to 2011, the new listings data, this is new listings that don't go into contract, right? Was running at 200,000 to 400,000 per week, per week, per week. Okay. We never even haven't broken over 90 K in the last three years, right? This is not a mortgage rate lockdown. A lot of these people own these homes free and clear, right? So there is no mortgage rate lockdown here. We have 10 years of evidence of this not happening in the period in time when it was supposed to escalate out of control. So the peak new listings inventory data, which is 2010 to 2011, was running at 370,000 to 400,000 per week, per week, okay? We have never even broken over 90,000 in 2021, 2022, 2023. I'm hoping we can get back to 90K in 2024, but that is not a tsunami surge, okay? It's the notion, it's designed to create fear. And that's the thing, is that sellers are buyers, right? Uh, if we, I just want to get back to 2021 to 2022 levels, which was the lowest levels of new listings ever before mortgage rates got to 6%. So it, it's a panic rush premise, right? A tsunami, right? A wave, you know, magic. It's just not, we don't have anything of data to show this. So it's a great marketing gimmick because they, I can't believe it. She even used the 30 million number. Like that's a number I keep on telling people for years. They keep on using this number and it's 2024 and we're still doing it with the same number. Right. It's like the um, shadow inventory. There's 15 million homes that are vacant. What if, you know, 10 million of those homes came to the marketplace? You know, <sighs> traditionally sellers are buyers. And that's why the equilibrium of inventory channels have stayed the same. But I think so that's that's your main thing. And this is why it's never happened. That, I mean, I think um, I, I totally believe you. Obviously, I understand all that. The reasoning, though, if you think about it from from the perspective of sellers are always buyers unless you're like really old and you own your home out. Are, are you, uh, if you're selling your home because you're going into assisted living, for instance, or because you're in ill health or because you die, then you're not a buyer. So I think that's the the kernel of truth hidden within the silver tsunami premise is that you do have a lot of people who are at a different life stage and that's why there's going to be a difference. And it was supposed to start in 2015. Right. So my question to you is, why didn't it? I know it didn't start, but from your perspective, is it because the older homeowners are just passing down their homes? Are they holding on to them? They're renting them? There what are they doing? Is no, there is no evidence ever recorded in modern day history of a surge of one generational buy sellers to buy another house for what? What are they doing? They love their homes. They've lived in their homes for a very long time. It is a it is a premise that Baby boomers who have a very, very low housing cost, which is their property taxes and insurance, because a lot of them own their homes free and clear, that they would somehow need to move, right? It's a speculative theory, right? All chaotic economic theories are based on a speculative theory that we will deviate from a four-decade trend because of one group all going into the marketplace at the same time. 
right? We just don't even have any information on this. So if they sell a house, right, they need a buyer and then they go usually buy another property. It's not a sell to go into assistant living or sell to rent. So here it is, the period in time, we're, we're like supposed to be toward the end of this silver tsunami and literally new listings data because what we've seen is baby boomers like their home. People, we have a society that we have trained people to design their own homes the way they want it and love it. So what is the reasoning for them to move? Now, you can make a case that, I mean, baby boomers are, are buying homes, right? They're downsizing, of course. But the tsunami aspect of it, we don't have any data for four or five decades to even show this to be the case. We, we do have one period of time in history that we actually saw a surge in inventory, and that was forced credit sellers. Because this is a home, right? People have to move to an area. People have to get moving mans in area. And at that, I mean, we, we've said this for a long time. It doesn't appear like the baby boomers want to move somewhere else, right? And they, people move every single year, right? And these people have had the greatest opportunity ever, right? Because they're, they don't have a mortgage rate lockdown. They don't, you know. So it's just, we don't see anything in the data in four or five decades to warrant this conversation, Right, it is a theory. I could imagine me if I wanted to make up the silver. So I could show all these charts and everything, and it, it just—we are almost at the end of that phase. Now, I do believe I'm a big person. Sex and death. I always talk about sex and death in my economic discussions. The baby boomers will all die eventually. Nobody's Dorian Gray. They will pass their homes off, and then eventually, at some point. But the notion that this year was going to be it, right? So in time, they will let their homes go out to the children, what their children's do with it. But this was never the talk. The talking point was tsunami. Tsunami was designed to create fear, panic that, oh my God, here it comes, right? Now, most most people, I think, just go out and buy homes and sell homes or whatever, uh, that the data has been constant, really based upon where mortgage rates are. But this was always a marketing gimmick. And we're almost done. I mean, we're almost in 2025. This was supposed to be the, toward the end of it because in 2008, there were 62, the first one turned. So by 2015, seven years had passed, and that's the downsizing age, right? With the life expectancies of American citizens, that was the period where everyone was supposed to downsize. It's 2024, and new listings data is trending at the lowest levels. This has been a trash theory, and it's almost over. We're almost in 2025, so it just never has been the case. So are we going to get eventually baby boomers? They sell their homes every year, right? They buy another house. Eventually in time, death will change this variable. But this has been here for way too long. And I, I'm just so encouraged to see how many people have just figured this out, that it was always a trash economic theory, right? For great for marketing people who don't track housing data. So uh, good. See, this is why reading is a good thing, right? Disinformation campaigns are notoriously known in the history of human civilization for decades. But if people read, they can kind of, wow. This really never did happen, did it? It didn't. No, that is encouraging. Okay, so second topic of which you might want to rant or at least be unleashed is for whatever reason, un unexplainable to all of us, we had a Fed president come out and be hawkish today. What is going on there? Why? Barkin, yes. Barkin, Barkin, Barkin. One of our favorite Feds um, talked about, oh, we might have to raise rates because prices are, you know, uh, today's, today's a very interesting day with the 10 year yield. The 10 year yield has made a big move down. It got to the, uh, like a key technical level around 3.80% and it's, we're kind of consolidating pattern here, but 
Barkin came out today when the job openings data came out and showed that quits and hires are below pre-COVID levels now and thought this is the day where he needs to talk. We might have more rate hikes. So, of course, I have to explain my I'm not the Fed has not pivoted because the Fed overhiked. They overhiked and they're realizing they're overhiked, but they don't want to pull the trigger. Why? What is the Fed, Sarah Wheeler? They're old and slow. They are old and slow. So the institution is designed to be late. So here in the relevance of everything that we've seen, today was a day that Barkin talked about, well, we might need more rate hikes. Bond market went up a little bit on that news. Job openings data came out. It was 8.8 million. It's still on, on that basis. It's, it's, it's very high, but the quits ratio and the hires ratio are now pre-COVID-19 levels. They should cut 75 basis points in the next meeting right? Get something to neutral. And the reason I'm saying this is because they told us in 2022, toward the end, they wanted core PCE and the Fed funds rate to kind of match. You know, we're at 2% on the three to six month core PCE. We're three and a half. So get somewhere in the middle. They're not. So they are restrictive. And they still are talking about this. Even with the main data line they told us to watch now at pre-COVID-19 levels, right? They're old and slow for a reason, and they're so. This is why I'm saying they are still very restrictive. They're very restrictive for housing, right? Because for some reason they they don't want to give up this 1970s, even though it's we all know this now, right? It, it didn't happen, right? We don't have that kind of uh, economy. We don't have that supplies now. Of course, do we have supply shocks that could possibly happen if there's war or something like that? Of course, uh, that's what COVID showed us. But we're not in that environment, so land the plane. So any Fed person who talks about rate hikes now, put them on the list, right? Because that conversation should have been over with, right? They overhiked, they panicked, right? And they're still very restrictive for housing. I, I, this is why having all baby boomers, not all the Fed members are baby boomers. We have to inject younger people into this mix, right? There has to be younger people on the Fed presence because we can't have older people just sit there and say, oh, well, back in the 1970s, I was worried oil prices were, no, 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 no. There's such a tainted view about that. Land the plane. You're too restrictive. Let's get this country going, right? So um, I know there's a good good cop, fat, bad uh, Fed cop, but the only people that are pushing for rate hikes still or want bond yields are the anti-central bank people who promised us a recession every single year since 2012 and really doubled, tripled down in 2022 to 2022. So they are, I understand their frustration. Nothing broke. They're waiting for something to break, right? So they, they, they want the Fed to keep on raising rates so the banking system breaks or something has to come in, right? Just land the plane, right? Just land the, there's nothing, you're, you're fighting a ghost right now. Right, come on. The the quit ratios are below pre-COVID levels. The highest ratios. This is what you told us to find. You thought today was the day that you oh we might raise rates. I don't know. Oh, frustrating. But Housing Wire is now accepting nominations for our Women of Influence Award, and I have to be the hype person here. I love this award. We started this program 15 years ago to recognize the outstanding efforts of women in driving the housing economy forward, and it just gets more competitive every year. The winners of this award are fantastic, and I can't wait to read your submissions. So send in your nominations today at housingwire.com slash women of influence. If you're sitting out there, you know, you're uh, in real estate, you're in mortgage, and, you know, the optimism that you felt about 2024 was directly tied to rates. Does this scare you? Do you, do you think those people should think, oh, my God, rates are actually not? No, it's not. It- 
everything looks normal to me because I, you know, per the 2024 forecast, the range was is still set in stone, right? Four and a quarter on the 10 year, 3.21%, right? Uh, if the economic data gets weaker, right, we should, bond yields should go lower. The bond market won't really wait for the Fed if that happens. But right now, the economic data is still firm uh, uh, in that context. We, we, uh, my thing is that why are we even, why are we toying with this idea? See, if the Federal Reserve did, told us they didn't want core, the Fed funds rate to match core 6.3, month PC, then we're not having a discussion. But that's what they said. They changed the game, game plan. That's why the, the who spiked the Fed's eggnog in December of 2022, right? And now just go with it. There's no, there's no point, right? So uh, the bond market overran the Fed like it usually does. This is why I've always tried to stress. When the market believes the Fed is done, Bond yields rally, mortgage rates rally. That's what they did. That was a big move from 5% all the way to 3.8%. But for all of you out there, go look at a 10-year yield chart. You see that 3.8%. There's a reason why it's it held that line. Technically, that's a key level. But they they are still very restrictive. I don't understand the restrictive take. They should be, okay, we are going to be neutral at least. If you don't want to be accommodative, that's fine. But go neutral. Don't come out and talk about oh, Fed rate hikes. Da, 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 da. This is this is where I am I'm ageist, right? I don't I'm oh the 1970s has ruined so many of these baby boomers. They're just worried about $450 oil. So no, let the cycle kind of take its course and let's just land the plane. So so you think that this is just uh, one bad cop fed, fed member out there. You don't think that this is actually a direction that they're going to go. We are going to yeah we are we yeah, we're going to get bad cop, good cop fed all the time. Uh, and, and just remember, if the ten-year yield was above four and a quarter, I, you know, this is that's a that's above my peak, right? That the whole mistake of what happened last year was the Fed went hawkish in a period they didn't need to, and the bond market crushed them. It was great to see because they were start crying. You know, Fed presidents are like, "Oh my god, why is the bond market going up? I don't understand." You went hawkish. You went hawkish. You, oh, and guess what happened? The bond market rolled right over you, right? Everyone was short the 10-year yield. You thought at that period, I'm going to be hawkish now. Let's see what happens. No. So if it starts to get above four and a quarter and the economic data outperforms, that's one thing. But you go hawkish now after everything we've, we've, we've seen in the data, that's on you. That's on them. So I'm hopefully they learned their lesson uh, last year uh, about you know talking the market. You don't need to do this anymore. But as of right now, everything looks perfectly normal. But to me, they are still restrictive, right? Uh, there's things they can do to alleviate this. So we land the plane and just move on forward with our lives. Okay, next next uh, topic is purchase applications. Tell us what we saw there. It was what you expected, right? Purchase application data, yes, yes. And as always, we always ignore the last few weeks of the year because nobody goes out there shopping for mortgages during Christmas or New Year's or even the first week of the year. Really, uh, in, in two more weeks, we start to get that second week of January. So how we always track data is the second week of January to the first week of May. That's always the volume spread for purchase apps because we go into the spring and summer. And then traditionally after May, volumes always fall. What I've always seen people do for the you know, the last 12 years is that people see the volumes fall after May. They go, oh my God, applications are falling this season. The manipulation of seasonality and data for the last 12 years uh, has been beautiful to watch, but it's very consistent. So 
We're in this period of time, right? So the six weeks before the holiday weeks, we saw growth. So we had a positive trend. But just remember, we're working from an extremely low base. We're working from the lowest levels ever recorded history. Why? Because the Fed is still too hawkish. If we had sub 6% mortgage rates, we have a different conversation here. But they still believe that the 1970s is a fear that we need to live in. So they there's things they can do now. But as of right now, so far, it's been a positive trend as rates have fallen. But let's just remember, the only reason we're really happy is because we went to 8% and now we're, you know, below 7%. And that's like, yeah, but that 8%, you know, drove that purchase application data to back to 1995 levels where no doubt gangster paradise, all these songs were number one. Uh, So we're just right now, we're just bouncing off of that very low level. So context is key. We will track this every single week, but I'm not in the recovery camp of other people where they think you could get a very sharp recovery like COVID-19. This is what I've always said, that affordability is an issue. Uh, sellers are buyers. A lot of people have very low housing costs. Uh, so they, it, we just have a different marketplace. But as of now, since rates have fallen, since a low bar, we have seen forward-looking data get positive. We just go with it. But we're starting to get it into that real critical stage. And then after May, unless some kind of shock happens, both positive or negative, the data doesn't have that much value. It's really the first uh, few months of the year. Uh, uh, and again, even today, as we speak, it might seem great. Yeah, mortgage rates aren't at 8% below 7 But if you if we didn't have that move up higher, we're just basically stuck in this very high mortgage rate range. And the data doesn't really explode higher in that. We get sub 6%. The builders have shown us the way. That's where you get people buying homes because remember, new homes are always more expensive than existing. But they exist. The how the Federal Reserve is still a very restrictive COVID nineteen housing economic policy still today. And Barkin just showed another you know opportunity to you know uh, talk about oh we want to be a common note. They uttered the words oh we might raise rates you know so we're not there yet. But let's keep an eye on the first few months of the year. That values I, I don't even count the last few weeks of the uh, uh, year. So when we do the year-to-date counts of 2023, so for everyone, uh, remember this, mortgage rates were 6 to 8% for the entire year. We had 23 positive prints, 24 negative prints, and two flat prints. So whenever we saw positive data is when rates started to go forward. So remember that that stock versus flow, kind of that equilibrium. Rates go up, demand gets hit, rates go down. So we're just working off that. We're not showing kind of any growth. Like COVID-19 was was awesome. We just shot right back up. Big volume, big back, and we just recovered. Within six weeks, we're already back to kind of the uh, to the trend. Not not the case with this kind of marketplace. So we have to be really focused on the data on the weeklies and look out. And we did. We saw six weeks of positive data trend until the holidays, and now it's the seasonality time. So hopefully, the ten-year yield just heads lower. The spreads get better. We get some kind of stability because remember, housing is one of these things where volatility and rates matter. You know, people just want to make a choice. And if they don't feel comfortable while rates are going, because you basically can't even qualify. If you, if you need a certain rate to qualify for the loan, if you're not qualifying for a loan, you're not listening to your house, right? It doesn't work that we, there are people that sell their homes to rent, of course, but in just in general, most sellers are buyers. Uh, And this really showed itself after mortgage rates went above 6% in 2022, why new listings data was trending at the lowest levels ever for about 18 months. Logan, great episode. Thanks for hitting all those three key points. Uh, thanks for leading us in the right I just want to let you know that you were trying to like, you were trying to like wave me down. Okay, today was a day where you can't do that. 
right? Because <laughs> you the, no, the silver tsunami was not. You, you, no, no, no. This has been going on way too long. Uh, uh, and just remember, I, I encourage everyone: if somebody tells you they're a housing expert, you ask for their forecasts. If they cannot give you at least five to ten years forecast, they're trash. Okay. If they cannot give you a live weekly model, they're also trash. Any human being could come out there and say, home price is up 5%. Home price is up. <laughs> you get their forecast because they are not committed into tracking data, right? And I know this because the other people in the housing economic world will not challenge people. Me, I would challenge everyone single day to day because what I want is get you on camera and then you're going to say, I don't forecast. I know. I don't have any live tracking. I know you don't have any. But if as long as people get to see a name and face, then I got you on the list. And just remember for the housing crash people that troll me still on Twitter, I am showing mercy by not showing all the crazy messages and tweets I was getting for the last three or four years. Consider it mercy that I don't slaughter you guys even more. So read, be the detective, not the troll. Okay. Read, read, read right? This isn't 1934 Germany. We don't burn books here. We read. Knowledge is a good thing. And bless our Housing Wire readers for coming at me and saying, hey, that's a silver tsunami. That's a silver. Yeah. Yeah. Trash. Trash. Okay. Uh, sometimes when I'm waving you, I, I'm not asking you to, to bring it down. I'm, I'm just want to say something. I just want to be like, I have a question. So I'm raising my hand so that you know I'm going to say something. So I'm not always waving you down. Sometimes, you know, just want to have a have a the best is when you do your clock thing you know oh yes when i point to my wrist like okay wrap it up here let's go yeah <laughs> okay well logan, logan unleash has no time clock <laughs> i know that yes well we have come to close to the end of our time so we're gonna wrap it up thanks so much for uh leading this discussion we'll talk to you again soon see you soon sarah Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.